0: Because of our sinful nature. Our hearts are darkened. We become futile in our thinking. And the result is, is that we exchange the glory, the presence, the love, the grace, the joy of the Lord for things, images, images of what we think will satisfy us. What we think will bring fulfillment outside of God. And you don't have to live long to realize that What fills our hearts and our minds, what we cling to and what we grasp to are people and stuff. Isn't it true? We begin to take authority and dominion in our lives. Uh, Relationships. Relationships are good, don't get me wrong. But when you view that relationship and prioritize that relationship over God, that, that relationship is an idolatrous situation. Whoa. When you view your car or your home or your job or your status or your fame... Higher than than God. You're in an idolatrous situation. We weren't created to worship people and stuff. To worship God, to enjoy him forever. To bask in his presence, to feel his favor, feel his grace and love upon our lives. We were created in his image to pour out like he has poured out. He loves to pour out. We see that through the cross. We see down through the storyline and the narrative of the word of God. He's always pouring out his love. He's always pouring out his grace. He's always pouring himself out in intimate and personal ways so that we can get to know him. Amen. We were created for that. But what we do instead of pouring out, we pour into things, don't we? And things, people and stuff become everything to us. And no, that's my precious. (laughs) Anything that I can't let go and my flesh rises up in my heart about, I'm in a, I'm in a scary, tricky situation. Amen? When I was growing up, my father was a pastor. He's making 50 bucks a week, five kids, church in the Bronx. We didn't have a lot of stuff. Mom would come home with clothing that was not the coolest and not the, not the name brand's. That all the kids were wearing, and uh, they were knockoffs, knockoff brands. And when you wear them, everybody knows, ha ha, you're wearing knockoffs. Those aren't the real things. <laughs> and they make fun of you. See, we do that with God. We love to create things that aren't the original. That isn't the quality stuff. We, we love to bring knockoff brands and things into our lives. Substitutes. That substitute for the glory and the grace and the power of God in our, in our lives. And it does us no good. Air Jordans were awesome sneakers that revolutionized the sneaker market. Wasn't it true? I had to watch everybody else wear them. Well, I'm wearing some, I don't know, Woolworth special, you know. Yeah. God isn't just a revolutionizer. He's a rescuer and he's a restorer. Amen. We need to let go of the substitutes, let go of the knockoff stuff that keeps us from the real thing. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ, living our lives for his glory and for his honor. There is none like him. He made the things that pagan gods were made from. All our dreams and satisfactions are wrapped up in him and him alone. He is creator and sustainer and everything is under his control. All the lesser things of this world bow to his will. Amen. And he chose to love you. We don't know why. We don't know why. But he chose to love you. A genuine love to rescue you. And you know what? We do know why. Because God is love. Isn't it true? So. Who is your everyone and what is your everything? God's in control of that. He's creator and sustainer of all your who's and what's and all your people and all your stuff. Hand him back everything in your life. Give it over to him. Amen. Let him rule and reign in everything. And allow yourself to live in the image and the power and the grace of the glorious God to live out you're the rest of your life for the glory of Jesus Christ. Hand it all back to him, friends. Is there something today that you have that you, you, really, you really love? And it was, if it was taken from you, you'd really, really be in a sore situation. Amen? You know, when guys buy a new car, I love, I love it because they go to the store and they get out of the car. And then you can, you can tell as they're walking away, he's going to look back. He's going to look back. And there's the look back. Right. You got to take one more look at that beautiful car. You ever do that? Come on. You know you have. Hey, Amen. Yeah. Hey. So listen. We uh, we do that. My my mother um, when I was in Bible college the first year I phoned up my mom and I said, Mom, this isn't for me. I think I'm coming home. And she lays this one on me. I'll never forget it. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I said, Mom, I hate you. (laughs) Did it. When we put our hand to the plow of living for Christ, there's no looking back. Amen. Cross before us, the world behind us. Our vision is not fogged out. And messed up with things of this world, but our vision is towards the cross as we live our lives for his glory and for his honor. So, he is great and wondrous, and he does wondrous things. He is God. Amen? Hey, let's turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Beautiful portion of scripture. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read a lengthy portion of scripture. We'll start with verse 11, Colossians chapter 1. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, And it is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of, his, of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Amen. Have you ever wondered, is there really a God? We live in a world where there's all kinds of gods, deities, spirits. We live in a secular society that's kind of kicking God out of everything and everywhere. Uh, You don't have to go too far to realize that uh, secularism is uh, casting uh, Christian thought, Christian experience, a biblical worldview out of our society. That's no problem. In fact, that's okay. Okay. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is timeless and it is preached and proclaimed and it wins souls through every culture, in every nation, in every ethnicity. It doesn't matter. Amen. The gospel will be preached and the God of the gospel will be preached, will save souls and will win hearts. Have you ever wondered, uh, Adam and Eve, really? Really? Splitting the Red Sea, really? Jesus born of a virgin, really? The story of who God is and what he's done through Jesus Christ kind of sounds far fetched, isn't it? But consider the complexities of our bodies, how we operate. And then you look around and we live under the and operate under an internal molecular structure. Look at the scope even broader, taking into consideration the world and the universe. And we see in the news new new sites and new uh, opportunities to view the universe and the galaxies and everything that we can see. The scientific fact that if things were changed by even a minuscule amount, this whole environment, this whole world, this whole cosmos would end up in chaos and be destroyed. It all works and it all exists because... Of God, our creator and our sustainer. Amen. When I start thinking in those terms that I start to realize that, yeah, there there is a God. Let's flip over to Psalms chapter 19. Beautiful portion of scripture that illustrates the wonder and amazement of who God is. Psalms 19. First couple of verses. The Bible says the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. In their words to all the world, God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It burst forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding, It rejoices like a great athlete, eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Isn't it true when you you look at creation, you understand that there is a God? The wonder and amazement of the universe kind of sparks in your heart and life. Um, Stephanie has told me time and time again of her um, coming to know Christ. She's felt the wooing of the Holy Spirit upon her life. And she's driving down the, the uh, road and she sees the beautiful sunset in the mountains of Canada. And she literally said to God, not yet, God, not yet. Because she knew that God was speaking to her, bringing her to God through the revelation of, Of God as creator. Amen. And then we see the wonderful aspect of God as our redeemer. And as our rescuer. And how he saves. And how he lives within us. God has disclosed himself not only in words but in the whole storyline of the Bible friends. And we're not permitted to take one attribute of God and make everything out of it. Amen. We can't just talk about the love of God without talking about the justice of God. Amen. We can't just talk about sin without talking about grace and love and forgiveness of sin. So we incorporate the entire, entire word of God as it illustrates who God is. And it's an awesome, wonderful thing to talk about God, isn't it? There can be no higher subject, but the word God is not something that we can understand without understanding where it's coming from and how people view God. Isn't it true? Just because somebody uses the word God and then somebody else uses the word God, when you really sit down with them, you can understand that, whoa, your God is not my God and we're talking about two different things. Isn't it true? For some, God is this inexpressible feeling of wonder and joy. For some, he's the unmoved cause at the beginning of the universe. He's a God of transcendence. He's a, he's a God like a caveman with a club, or maybe he's a God like Santa Claus. Or We have all these viewpoints about who and what God is, but God talks about himself in the word of God, right? Doesn't he? Him being eternal and him being righteous, him being a God of love. He's the God of transcendency, but yet he is above space and time, but yet he's the God of imminence. He's an imminent God. He's with us. He's here today. We cannot possibly escape from him. He is everywhere. Amen. Amen. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful today. What a God that we serve. And to think that he wants to get to know you personally and intimately so much that he would send his son to die for you makes us kind of stir in our hearts today to get to the heart of who God is and to bow before him. In some small measure of genuine understanding, it's important to think through what the Bible says again and again. And integrate the whole with the same balance and proportion that scripture itself gives. And it calls us to worship. And if we put anything else in the place of God, that is the definition of idolatry. Hey, flip over to Romans chapter 1. Let's read from verse 18. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, and it says this But God shows his anger from heaven, or the wrath of God is being revealed against all unrighteousness, sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yet, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They wouldn't glorify him as God. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, the immortal God, They worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them, or he gave them up, to do whatever shameful things that their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshipped and served the things God created, instead of the Creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. You know, we talk about the wrath and anger of God as a distant thought. Isn't it true? We will all sit before the judgment, the judgment seat of God. Christians will sit before the Bema seat. Those that don't know Christ will come before the judgment seat of Christ. And we think about the wrath and anger of God, that God is definitely going to judge sin. Isn't that true? Do we believe that today? That time will come Will he'll reconcile all things to himself And he'll judge sin, he'll judge every nation, he'll judge every tribe, he'll judge every tongue. And he will become Lord of lords and king of kings. And every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we often think about the wrath of God in terms of being way out there, don't we? Here's the wrath of God. The wrath of God is that because you want to do your own intentions and your own desires, he's a God of love And he allows you to have a free will that you will choose what you want to do. And if you desire to go down that road, God will turn you over to that. In essence, we will suffer the wrath of God here right on earth. The wrath of God is a separation from God. It's an alienation from God. It's saying, God, I don't don't choose you. I choose this. And God eventually says to us, "I, I turn you over, bud, because you're going your own way. And what he does is... He lets us become dark in our imaginations. We become deceived in our minds towards the truth of God, and our foolish hearts are darkened towards what God wants, right and wrong, where we're headed, what God wants to do with our lives. Sin becomes an inevitable product of allowing ourselves to live by our own intentions and decisions without the will and the way of God being prioritized in our heart and in our mind. God gives you over. You want to know what wrath is? It's being outside of the will and the way of God, left to your own intentions and devices, living out your life, God giving you over to a reprobate mind, a mind that does not know the truth or adhere to the truth or speak of the truth. You're suffering the wrath of God upon your life. Whoa. You thought you'd come for a nice snowy message today. Amen. But that's the case. This is the fact. Repentance and confession before a holy God is so important. As we repent and come back to God. God is so gracious and kind. Amen. When he comes to us. He doesn't come with condemnation. He comes with conviction. He comes up alongside of us and says listen man. You've been blowing it. You're separated from me now, but I come up. I'm the paraclete. I come up alongside of you and we're going back to Jesus. We're going to take care of this situation. Amen. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You ever watch the show Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? That's an awesome, awesome job. Amen. But what he puts himself through is just unbelievable, isn't it? But after the thought, when he's filled with, like, muck and mire and sometimes animal stuff all over him, and he's just sitting there like, oh, imagine the feeling he has when he goes back to his place, maybe hotel, takes a shower, washes all that gook and grime off, and he's clean and he's free. See, Jesus wants to... Wash the gook and the grime of your guilt and of your sin and of your condemnation and of your separateness from God. He wants to wipe that all away. Make you clean so you can enter into his presence today. Clean before God. Clean. Righteous in his sight. He who know no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What is God? He's a holy God. He's the creator and sustainer. He's good. He's just. He's unchangeable. He's true. But one day we'll stand before him, not with a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness that Christ gives us. And when he sees the righteousness of Christ upon you, he says, enter in my child. My son bought your salvation. Come on in. Amen. We're, we're anchored in, in God this year, guys. It's going to be a year of revelation. Revelation going to be a year of confession it's going to be a year of repentance it's going to be a year of surrender it's going to be a year where we understand that we have to mature and grow up amen sometimes this childlike faith turns into a child faith you know what a child faith is right child's all happy when a child gets what he he wants but you start taking stuff away and whoa all hell breaks loose amen our childlike faith must draw us to God and as we surrender to him, we allow him to change us and transform us and focus us to what our purpose and our mission in life is and that is to live our lives for the glory of God. So what's your who and who's your what and what people and stuff are getting in the way of you serving God with everything that you are and everything that you have? If some of you don't know Christ today, it's a simple, simple equation. Realize that you can't make it on your own. You can't manage your own life. You can't bridge the gap between God and yourself. That's why Jesus Christ came. We put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. We are born from above, born into the kingdom of God. And for once in our lives, we experience the very presence and power and forgiveness and grace of God. And from that point, he begins to mature us into who he is as we are conformed to the image of God. Isn't that great? Let's bow for a word of prayer. God, we thank you today. We thank you that you are God and we are not. We thank you, Lord, that you knew that we can't govern ourselves in our own sinful nature because our nature is geared towards the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's geared towards hiding ourselves from the truth. It's geared from not exposing ourselves to the to the light of God, to the truth of God. We cried out, O God, that we cannot live this way. Save us and rescue us, redeem us. And you flooded in by your love and grace, took away our transgressions and our trespasses. We were dead, but you made us alive. And we're so grateful today for your forgiveness and for your life. And now, O God, we pray that we'll ever keep our eyes upon you. Nothing between our soul or our Savior. Nothing in the way of becoming everything that you want us to become. Mainly, someone that knows you and loves you for who you are. For what you say you are. God, there's no greater hurtful thing than realizing that people don't, don't understand us for who we are. They have an opinion about us that's wrong. People don't understand us. People don't, don't know us. And God, that's how you feel when people make judgments about you that are not based on your character and nature. We pray as a family of God, we pray as individuals that every judgment concerning you will be be based on your character and nature as revealed in the word of God. You are good. You are great. You are glorious. You are trustworthy. We can put our faith and trust in you right now to live our lives for your glory for the rest of of our years until we see you face to face. So, God, we thank you that you have revealed yourself. We thank you that you know us. And we pray, O God, as you reveal yourself to us more and more and more, that we might decrease and you might increase in our hearts and in our lives. We'll live for your glory. Every decision we'll make will be based on your will and your way. Every relationship we enter will be based on your will and your way, your light and your truth as revealed in the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we'll live in the freedom of knowing you and loving you, being your child, belonging to you, having access into your very presence, accepted by you. There's no greater, greater thing in earth than to realize that we are accepted by a holy and just God. And he invites us in. We just want to say thank you for that, God. We've been invited in. We say thank you. So, God, we love you today. We thank you for each one has come out into the snow. As I said before, the chosen frozen have come to the house of God to give you glory and give you praise. We love you today, O God. And we give you thanks. And we honor you. We glorify you with our lives. So when people see us, they will see and know who Jesus is. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.